The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show and RTE Radio 1 Extra with me, Tower Lockery Grant from rte.ie forward slash lifestyle. You can also catch us on RTE News Now, the most downloaded app in Ireland. Just got the stats during the week and you can see us there in the lifestyle section and also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Email to rte lifestyle at rte.ie. This week, we're going to be talking all about the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you know why. Obviously, the day you're born, everybody celebrates it every year, but the day you know why you were born begs a bigger question. <laughs> that is, of course, Ian McLean, founder of Flow Group and Greenline Conversations, or better known as the guy who helps people manage change. Ian, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Listen, delighted to have you back. The last time we were in, you were talking about uh, resolution dilution. Brilliant timing. It was just really into January and that we were analysing the whole thing about resolutions. People can click on um, rt.e forward slash lifestyle and within this article that we're going to be talking about today, you can also get a link through to that and listen back to the podcast and read the article there, all about uh, which, which is actually valid right the way through. Only in, um, 8% of us actually follow through and fulfill our resolutions that we set in the beginning of the year. So um, hopefully those of you listening are still on track to be part of that 8%. I'm trying very hard. But today, Ian, we're going to be talking all about things all around getting more of what you want and less of what you've got. It's a brilliant, brilliant line. What exactly does it mean? Well, it means that um, people have one life that we know of and uh, people are in a situation in their lives currently and I guess the question is, how satisfied are people with their lot? A lot of what you do, you, you know, we were talking about this earlier, is help people to manage change. OK, so by the time they come to you, they're not managing or they need help to manage. So put that into perspective then with this sort of a topic, getting more of what you want. Are people coming to you dissatisfied? And how do you begin with the problem? Not in a negative way, just in a in a way they want to better themselves, better their work, better their lives. Where do you start? Um, first question simply becomes what it is that they want to have more of, less of, achieve and begin by drilling into that particular question. Okay. And, um, you, you know, you can take this as at a micro level. So if somebody wants to improve their golf handicap or they want to become better at parenting their teenager uh, or they want to, you know, change the way the team at work interact, the principle is always the same. Or you can look at it from a larger perspective. And the article this week that I've written kind of looks at it through the life lens. And, um, you know, one, one of my favorite statements that I read a long time ago, and it's stuck with me ever since, is the two most important days of your life are the day you're born yeah. and the day you know why. Yeah, that's I love this. Now, tell us more about this. Well, obviously, the day you're born, everybody celebrates it every year. But the day you know why you were born, um, you know, begs, begs a bigger question. It's scary as... Yeah, and it's interesting because people don't get out of bed every day thinking, you know, what was I born to do? What's the purpose of why I was put here? Um, their question is more about how do I survive and navigate my way through the day with all that's in it? Exactly. And um, it struck me from a very early age as being very peculiar that you would never build a house without first getting a set of drawings and a plan. You would never go on holiday without first deciding what the destination is. You'd never cook a meal without first getting the recipe book. But yet we live life on a day-to-day basis without thinking about what what it should be, could be, is. Most people. 
You know, on that, because this is what we're talking about here on the Lifestyle Show and on the podcast this week, getting more of what you want and less of what you've got. But Ian, we're terrified of that. Recipe, you follow the steps, bish, bash, boom. It may or may not taste exactly as it looks in the picture or promises to be, but you give it your best shot. It's a lot more scary. Um, and also people are, especially Irish people, I, from the little, the, the travelling that I've done, the little bit of knowledge I have of this, people are scared to presume they're able to lift and, and, and actually achieve their dreams. I think it, that's entirely accurate. And if you think about most of our peer group in, in Ireland growing up, you where through your education, the emphasis was very much on getting a job. The education system is very much about accumulating points, uh, studying the curriculum, you know, putting yourself in a position where you can qualify to get the best job available. <clears throat> you know, when I grew up, my father, you know, and, and my peer group, it was all about the permanent pensionable role. Now, in the 1980s, Interest rates were at 17 percent. Unemployment the was at 20 percent. The brain drain was in full flow, and I ended up following it out. But at the time I was going through my secondary education, it really was a case of um, your teachers and your parents were concerned that you would make it in the world, and they wanted to take the most secure path to doing it, which was my dad wanted me to be a teacher, ironically. Uh, and I remember bringing up the idea of journalism somewhere in my mid-teens and, you know, practically being, you know, shown the door because there was no, you know, and his response was just simply that there's no, there were no jobs in journalism. You know, there's no, there's no real future in journalism. Journalism, you know, wasn't a career particularly. So from a very early age, you have the people who, who actually care the most about you and have your own interests at best uh, at heart. And they're, they actually turn into dream stealers <laughs> at a very early stage. And I think that combined with the fact that you know, the whole idea about children should be seen and not heard and don't speak unless you're spoken to. You know, this is kind of very much part of the cultural heritage that we would have grown up uh, taking with us. And back to your original point, you, you daren't even think that you could be or that you're entitled to have uh, more of life or a, a life because you're being effectively corralled into trying to do something that is playing not playing to win, but playing not to lose. In America, it seemed that was the only country at the time where the underdog could become president um, and that was encouraged to do so. Now we very much root for the underdog, regardless of background, class, if, if, you, if that exists anymore here. Um, it, 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 it's much more open, but it's still scary, I think, that idea of making that plan. So how do you go from, again, getting more of what you want and then less of, of what you've got? I think... One of the things to take into consideration is I think life has accumulated in such a way, you know, because I, I'm describing a past when, you know, when I was growing up and a, a lot of that still prevails. But if you look at millennials, they're a little bit different. Um, you know, their life circumstances are different. And we'll get to that maybe in a second. But um, if you look at what has happened in the last number of years and how life has changed and how it makes it very, very difficult to go and think about, you know, the wants as opposed to the needs. Um, the volume of information that we have at our fingertips now as a, as a distraction is absolutely huge. So one of the reasons that people don't do it is because they're far too distracted. So every day you get up and you've got an avalanche of information available and assailing, to you, uh, assailing you on all sides through social media and, and so many other things. It's at your fingertips. And it's been designed in a way to be as seductive as possible by professionals who know how. So true. So, so straight away, 
you, you are drowning in a sea of information. And, you know, that has a, a, an effect of having you think or believe that unless you consume the information, you're at a loss with other people who you feel or believe are consuming the information. FOMO, so fear of missing out. This whole fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one element that wasn't there. The second thing is the speed of everything. The speed of life has just increased. And, uh, you know, Gandhi once said, he said, there's got to be more to life than increasing its speed. And, you know, and that was that was nearly, you know, 70 or 80 years ago. And all it's done is accumulated in speed ever since. And um, I was struck by um, my grandfather when I was growing up. I grew up in Castle Bellingham outside of Dundalk. And my grandfather used to tell the story about wanting to go to Dublin. Um, and in those days, there was one bus that ran into, Dublin, in, into Dundalk. You got the train and then you went to Dublin. And he said, <clears throat> often, by the time the bus came and you got into, into Dundalk, 50% of the time, the train would have broken down or wouldn't arrive. And uh, you didn't get to go to Dublin that day. But in those days, you just went home, you went back, and you came again and you did it the next day. Oh and God. that was the level of expectation that prevailed then. So that was the mentality. Nowadays, if people even miss a segment on a revolving door, they're, they're tearing their hair out. So the expectation that's there has just exponentially increased. So, um, and that, that has a knock-on effect into the workplace, for example. So you're expected to be a super mum. You're expected to be a super boss. You're expected to be a super team player. You're expected to be a super athlete. You know, and all of these things, combined with all of this volume of information that gives you the instruction as to how you could do it, puts an awful lot more pressure on you. So this whole idea of um, that the workplace now is actually living into what Charles Handy predicted 20 years ago as a formula. He said, in the future, the workplace will be made up of half the population, the workforce, getting paid twice as much to do three times the productivity. Wow, giving me that again. So it's half half the workforce. This, this was probably mid-90s he would have written this. Half the workforce half paid the workforce twice the amount, twice the amount for to, doing three to do times. three times the work. Unbelievable. I like that. And mm. and. We I mean, had, it's awful. It, I'm, I like the fact that he, summer, he predicted that. We've ironically, you know, grown into that. And now we've got robots, which is a whole other <laughs> conversation, which are on the horizon. Dublin Tech Summit, we were <clears> covering <throat> that last week and there was one there. Now, in fairness, he's not. There was a, a lot done, a lot more to do. So, yeah. yes, we'll have that conversation again. But sorry. And, and um, you know, the, the, a summary point of this was I was dealing with an executive just before Christmas and talking about his plight in the workplace as a senior executive within the business. And the line that he used struck, stuck with me. He said, they work us to a point where we're incapable of making good decisions. Oh, yeah. And it's in the interests of the company to do that. But obviously, you're going to burn out your resources, your human resources, which is always an interesting uh, reference when you're talking about people. Um, but this is, this is what people are encountering on a daily basis. So you have this pressure of expectation, you know, you're never off now. You've got this information overload, which is an avalanche which appears on top of you every day that you're trying to w w uh, deal with and work through. You've got a pressure of work where people are getting, you know, handsomely rewarded, but they're golden handcuffs because you know, in many, many cases, corporates are expecting their pound of flesh in return. And that's the way the world is working. And in the meantime, you've got to run a family uh, or be a dad or be a mum or whatever it happens to be. Now, within all of that, where is the time to section off, to discreetly think about what I want out of life.
And there is that's where you come in, right? So what are the key things that people when they do come to you and say, look, we, I want more. Is it career? Is it better family life? Is it more time at home? Is it less chance that they're going to be divorced? Is it um, quality time for themselves? What do people want? And also, I suppose it must be more career focused because why else otherwise would a company pay for their staff and, and their human resources to come to you? The, the answer to the question is that it's all of those things. And f- for different people, it will be a different thing. And, you know, Gallup, the, poll, the polling people, uh, over the last 20 years, they've run a poll at the end of every year to check in on people's satisfaction with life ratings. So it's called a satisfaction with life poll. And two interesting f- features out of it. One is that 50% of people are less than satisfied with their lot. 50% of people. And 20% of people are either somewhat or very dissatisfied with their lot. So out there, one in, one in every two people is not where they'd like to be or ideally, uh, ideally want to be. And one in, one in five, 20% of people are, <clears throat> are actively dissatisfied with it. Another statistic which is interesting is in organizations, at any given point, 17% of the workforce on average is actively disengaged. And when I say actively disengaged, it's not just that they're... Um, that they're not interested in their job. They're actually to a point of sabotaging the job or, or, or going against their boss or against their company or against their peer group. Wow. So, so there's an awful lot of dissatisfaction there. And another interesting um, parallel to that was, again, one of our major clients in the UK, uh, a HR director of this company, he's worked for 30 years with this particular business. And we were doing some development work with the senior leadership team of which he was part. And it came out in our conversation that he was he's deeply dissatisfied. So he fits into this deeply dissatisfied category. And his view was, and he's a HR director, so he deals with people all the time. His view was that 80 percent of the people are in jobs that they don't don't want to be in or wouldn't have voted for in the first. Wow, that's unbelievable. That's very. Is that Irish stats? Uh, No, no. This guy's South African working for a French company and the UK arm. Okay, based in London. So that survey was done. That, that was this was his his view his view but he's he's worked on location with this company for 30 years I think on four continents. That is scary. I mean, there are those three um, metric the ways that people can measure how you're satisfied you are in your job that I've heard. What's your view on this? One is job satisfaction. Two yeah. is money. Yeah. And three, challenged promotion opportunities, challenges. Yeah. So that if you have two of the three, <laughs> the often I, I often I remember being quoted that before from a manager. Two, if you have two of those three, you're doing really well. And that 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 would be true. And at different times they can probably fluctuate and vary. And the job satisfaction and the challenge is often interlinked. Exactly. So so yeah. it's very unlikely that if your challenge is very low, that your job satisfaction will sustain itself for very long. Okay, so we know a lot of people, 80, up to 80% possibly, are unhappy with their situation. What do we do about it? The first thing, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the answer is simple, but it's not easy. And the first thing that... How did I have a feeling that you were going to say that? Ian McLean If talking. it was that easy, then then there wouldn't be people like me out there I, who, 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 or, or people would just be doing it. And uh, I was just going to remind people listening, if you've just joined us, it is Ian McLean here of uh, the founder of, of Flow Group and also Greenland Conversations. We're talking about getting more of what you want, less of what you've got. It does sound like an American line from a movie, but it's real life. And we all, 80%, we've just heard of people are dissatisfied with their job situation. So sorry, Ian, you're just starting. How do we tackle this? The first thing you need to do is you need to proactively set aside time to think about this and, and block off the time to discreetly do it without interruption. 
And, you know, it's one of those things that is important, but it's not urgent. And we are just so inundated with the urgent that finding the time and blocking off the time, as we alluded to a little bit earlier on, it's so difficult to find it and get the time. But but step one is actually to find the time. And it's amazing how frequently when I start working with somebody and ask them to do this, that a week later they'll come back and say, I haven't found the time to do it. <clears throat> and it requires discipline. It requires initiative on your own on your own part. And you need you need to be disciplined to sit down and write down and begin to create what the ideal is. So if it's the ideal career, if it's the ideal job, if it's the ideal partner, because, you know, interestingly enough, they, the 4th of January every year, they call Divorce Day, the law firms. What? The 4th of January every year. I'm so glad it's, it's not the 3rd. The 3rd's my birthday. Oh, I'd be freaked out. Well, isn't that a useful thing for you to know? <laughs> the 4th is Divorce Day. Followed okay. Divorce. And, and on Divorce Day, they have an increase of 332% in divorce inquiries on that day. Wow. And so if you stand back, when are the times that you actually do take stock and consider life yes. and your own direction? Chris, January, beginning of January, so after my birthday, normally the fourth. Time of year. And September. Okay, <clears throat> so it's either after oh, summer holiday. Yeah. But only if you've had a decent summer holiday. Because one week on the beach or two weeks is not enough. I am tempted to do a mic drop for you there. That is so good. So it's only after a significant break. The interesting thing about the summer, sorry, about the Christmas recess and the Christmas break is that it's the only time of the year where everybody is off simultaneously. Yes. So you go on holidays in your summer. I know most people, they are connected still to their Blackberries or connected to their, to their smartphones and their emails and they're still working while they're on holiday in the evenings or during the breaks between kids' showers. Um, so the only real time you get it and that's why there's such an uplift. All of a sudden you take your finger out of the dam of noise Day, habitual day-to-day -day noise and you are then facing things that otherwise you don't have time to think about. The other two times that you have time to think about these things, unfortunately, one is when there's a, a bereavement. Hmm. Often if there's a bereavement close to you, you begin to so suddenly think, what am I doing with my life? So true. And the other time is when you've got a serious illness. Wow. Because it forces you. But unless people, it, there's an imposition either of a significant block of time off where they're not being interrupted or something through illness or something that's a, a, a life shock of somebody close to you. Oh, my God. I'm actually writing down. I'm right. That pause was me. That is so, so true. The, the, what then? I mean, and how much time should mm. you take? I, should, do you agree with Would you advise people? What do you advise them? Turn off the phone, sit down. How much time is this going to take? And the beauty about this is, is that <clears throat> there's no right or wrong way to do it. The most important thing is actually beginning to do it. Some people who are visual like to draw. So they'll draw things. They'll go out and they'll find magazine pics and they'll pull them out and they'll put it together and they'll create a collage of what, what, what the ideal is. What their ideal life, work, job, is it? Exactly. Husband, girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. wife. Bege and what, so whatever the question is, you just go and create what the ideal is relative to the question. So if it's a partner, that's what you do. And, um, you know, and I know that there are people who are listening to this saying, you know, well, that all sounds great, but, um, you know, how can that... What it does is it channels your mind in a way to, f to create something of a focus for yourself. And, and, and once you've created that focus, <clears throat> it begins to bring into your experience and into your realm things that will help contribute to achieving that or that are significant to it. Example, if you've had the experience of buying a new car or anybody has, a lot of people buy new cars at this time of year, the new 17 Reg cars, all of a sudden you go out and you buy yourself a Toyota. 
you buy a brand new Toyota. Guess what? As soon as you're on the car on the road driving your brand new Toyota, what do you notice? All the Toyotas. All the Toyotas in the world. <laughs> now, it's not as if all those Toyotas weren't, weren't there, there before. Yeah. They were. But now all of a sudden you've given a level of significance to something. And, you know, the interesting thing about the human brain and how the neuroscience of this works is that we have a unique faculty as human beings. And the faculty is we are the only mammal on the planet that is capable of imagining a future that is not yet created, imagining that future and beginning today to move in the direction of creating that future. It's unique. Wow. So, you know, no other mammal on the planet does this. And that's the reason why humans, even though we're not the strongest mammal, we're not the most weaponized, we're not the fastest mammal on the planet, we are the smartest. And we're the smartest because of this future brain that we have that allows us to build future. And this is something that if you look at evolution, that's how, that's how we've evolved, is through the use of this particular future focus. So you think of Gutenberg. He started off by thinking about or imagining a printing press that didn't exist. You think about the Model T Ford. It started off by him thinking about the Model T before it existed. If you think about you know, Steve Jobs, thought about think, creating Apple and what our Apple could be and what Apple could do long before anybody had ever created Da Vinci. It. Da Vinci, you know, so history is peppered and evolution, Edison the same yeah. with the light bulb about, you know, rather than kerosene in terms of lamping um, and even Richard Williams with the Williams sisters. Yeah. I mean, who could have possibly thought that you could have achieved, but it first of all existed in the mind. Wow. So unless you take the time to think about or focus on what it is the desire is or what the outcome is, then nothing will ever change. All you'll get is what you've got plus 5%, so plus good. 2% if you're lucky. Ian, this is brilliant. So I'm staring at you now. I did remember reading in your notes when we were preparing for this, reading about the mammals and that whole idea of um, our intelligence and how we differ. So we've got from, if you know, if you've just joined us there, we're, you, we're talking about getting more of what you want, less of what you have. The getting more of what you want, the mood board, if you will, the writing down, the, what do you call it on yours? I'm looking at your iPad there. Mind map. Mind map, thank you. Um, your mind maps and if by doing that, you're starting a path, you're laying down what it might look like and you start one step at a time into your journey. How often, how long a period does this take the time? Are we talking sitting down for an hour, bones off, airplane mode, an hour a week? What's the plan? So <clears throat> the, the first part of it is to, you know, have joy and allow your imagination run as 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 free as it can to create what the ideal is because it should be motivating yeah that's the first thing if it because if it isn't motivating when you're when you're imagining it and you're creating it then you are not going to have excitement the, mm. you, you're not going to have the 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 drive the, the to achieve it yeah yeah you, you you won't get the wherewithal because that's the fuel that you're going to need because ultimately there's going to be some change of habit that needs to happen because you've invested a lot of time and effort there are a lot of sunk costs in getting you to where you are today <laughs> And, you know, undoing that and, and, and de-redeeming all of those things is going to require some form of energy. And the energy, first of all, starts off with the motivation to change. And you need to continue to go back to that. And this kind of brings us back to the whole idea. Because if you do that and you do it, you do it to a point where you feel motivated and you, have, you, you are clear, then what that does is it naturally creates a contrast to where you currently are. Yeah. And when you take the, the desired state or the desired outcome of what the new what the new is that you're idealizing and you contrast it with the current one and you subtract it you're left with a gap and the gap is what you're going to try to fill wow so you know it's interesting on the career front one of the best pieces of kind of left field advice that i've ever come across about changing career is pre-write your cv so sit down and write your cv of five years hence 
articulating what your role is, what the company is you're working for, what your responsibilities are, what your references are, as it would be or as it ideally would be in five years' time. And that will give you an energy, which then in turn sheds the spotlight on where you currently are. And then you begin to think about your current situation, not about why you can't achieve something, but what is it within my current situation that I can leverage in order to begin to move and create a plan in the direction of where I want to go. So exciting. It's about energy management. Absolutely. And if you need to, you just put that into a folder that you securely put under a password on your desktop. <laughs> you know, if you're worried, someone's going to go, hang on a minute. What? President of Ireland? Well, come on. No, it's private. It's yours. You share it with your nearest and dearest. And it's a really great idea. We only have a couple of minutes left, Dina, and I'm stealing every moment and a piece of advice um, out of you today. For those that say looking at different things, you mentioned divorce earlier on, yeah. partners. Yeah. What, how, do you, how do you mind map that? Are they ripping out pictures of um, Dr. McDreamy and putting them into a magazine or pictures of um, Elle McPherson? What's the realistic, how does this apply to personal situations and Every, love? Everybody, everybody would. Uh, so you, 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 there's a physical element, obviously, to a partner. So, you know, if you're tearing out pictures, then it's going to be, you know, the, the, the physical part of, you know, who you might find attractive or who you might not. But And as, then you go out with your book and hold it up to all the people. Well, you <laughs> Sorry, just, no. You Sorry. Don't, you don't fit the brief. Mr. Dream, yeah. what do you call your man? Mr. Big. You don't Big. look like Bradley Cooper. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, you don't make it. But, you know, the truth or of it is... We're just big, not Mr. Big. Anyway. Yeah. So, so you... Uh, You've probably got a hierarchy of things that you that you would want to have in a person. So whether it's sense of humor, whether it's generosity, whether it's warmth of spirit, whether it's levity, whether it's, um, um, you know, somebody who's steady. And and it's a case of just exploring what that might be and what that might look like. And um, you can write a little list on your phone. Exactly. And just have it there in your mind. Again, it's your path. You've started You're on your journey. it, it, It you know, it doesn't matter how you record it. Whether it's visual, whether it's on a phone, whether it's in a, you know, in a locked up file on your desktop. Um, The important thing is that you do it and that you that you create it, because by creating it, it gives it it it, it creates a concrete thing. You know, thoughts are things. Everything, everything that's ever been created was first created as a a thought in the mind of somebody before it became real. Brilliant. And I loved then we don't even need to focus on the um, the second part of, of your uh, idea for today, really, which is less of what you got, because by getting more of what you want, you're putting time changing ba- negative habits or habits you're not happy with. And it takes 21 days to start really changing. That's three weeks only when you think about it of hard work to change slowly but surely the negative habits that you're not happy with. Someone else may be, but you're not. And that will push out less of the things you don't want and make more room for what you do in once again in 26 minutes you have managed (laughs) to invigorate our lives and giving us uh, tips and advice that is very practical as well as very positive and uplifting we're going to have the full article on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also Ian's email address is there too if people want to get in touch and have any queries thank you so much for joining us thank you again I say us I mean me and you and I and the listeners so getting more of what you want and less of what you got that is Ian McLean founder of Flow Group and Greenline Conversations or aka the man who helps people manage change that's definitely going to catch on Ian Um, you can get more as I said or t.e forward slash lifestyle also on Facebook Twitter and Instagram thanks a million for listening here to the Lifestyle Show on RT Radio 1 Extra and keep checking in on uh, Lifestyle any queries want to get in touch you can find me on Twitter at Tara with a GH at Tara LG. 
The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra.